This is the Voice of the Land podcast with your hosts, Kevin Arnold and Nick Paulus. What's going on, everybody? Welcome on in to another episode of the Voice of the Land podcast, season two, episode 11. I am one of your hosts, Kevin Arnold, and alongside me, as always, well, I usually introduce him as my brother, but <laughs> and he still is. But Mr. Big Shot over here taking the phone whoa, calls, doing whoa, his whoa, whoa, whoa. doing his job. Nick Paulus, man. Before we before we jump on here, I appreciated watching you work before we jumped on the podcast, man. I, I seriously I did. took a couple of phone calls. That hey, you're making it seem way more than what it is. Hey, man, you you got it. You got a job to do, and you're and you're doing it. And I appreciate I'm, the <laughs> I appreciate watching the man at work. Well, I appreciate you appreciating me. <laughs> No, no. Seriously, just a couple couple of calls that I had to make for you know some of the remote visits. Uh, we are now going to be doing remotes for all of the uh, Browns games, home and away. Uh, all of the home games, I believe, are still going to be at the Velvet Dog, uh, which great time, mm-hmm. great time. You know this uh, this past uh, Sunday. Sit on West Sixth. Yeah, West Sixth uh, gets a little crazy in there. It gets a little rowdy. West Sixth uh, gets a lot of little uh, rowdy, and crazy. West Sixth gets a little rowdy. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. Uh, but it was, you know, great time. It, unfortunately, you know, the the Browns did lose, but it was to the, you know, conference champs of the NFC. It wasn't to a scrub team. You know, it was a great game, though, uh, all throughout. But, yeah, no, just uh, trying to, uh, you know, just trying to make stuff happen is what it comes down to. We're going to talk Browns here very, very soon. Oh, sure. And there's a lot going on in my head still after that game. And as we head to first divisional game of the year, uh, we'll also talk. We'll also talk Indians coming up. Before we get into that, though, how's it going? And this is episode eleven. It is, yeah. What what pops in your head, Paulus, when you when you hear that number eleven in terms of sports or athletes that have worn it in the 11's past? Eleven's a weird number. I, I mean, you know, you and I were talking about it beforehand. Eleven is a weird number, but someone that comes to mind for me, there's two people really that come to mind for me is Yao Ming, as mm-hmm. you know, as the uh, you know the center for the Houston Rockets and just those battles that he'd have with Shaq, you know, back in the early 2000s. It was great. It was great to watch. I think Yao's more. I think he's overrated personally because I don't think that he had the greatest of the careers. He just was consistently injured. Yeah. You know, kind of that Z mold, you know, of, of just, you know, injury after injury after injury it really, you know, derailed his career. And what's the, what's the common theme that we talk about in this podcast? Your best, best ability, ability is, is your availability. availability. And yeah. that, you know, as talented as a player, as an athlete might be or anything of that nature, if you're not if you're not available and it, you if you're feel, not there, you can't play. You feel bad for the person on the human side because they're always injured and they have to go right. through all this rehab. But in terms of being available to their team and what could have been for their career, it's also tough to look at it in that fashion. But you're you're so right about Yao Ming. Yeah, I, I think Yao's up there, and then another one. It has Cleveland ties because we passed up on him, mm-hmm. Carson Wentz. Okay, Carson Wentz, Deshaun Watson, and Baker Mayfield. They are all going to be if you want to throw Mitch Trubisky in there you you can because there was some talk oh who who are we going to take Mitch or Mitch or Miles it was the dumbest thing of all time <laughs> but but between Carson uh, Carson Wentz Deshaun Watson and Baker Mayfield that's always going to be the three quarterbacks that we, did we pass up on the Hall of Famer did we pass up on this do did we draft uh, you know 
someone that can lead us to the promised lands. Those three people are always going to be linked with each other. So for me, Carson Wentz is uh, is one of the you know top number elevens that I can think of. Well, when we before we start recording, and when you mention Cleveland ties, because I guess sometimes I don't even realize that you know I, when we start this podcast, I'm asking you know what do you think of? Now sure. we're not really going with best athlete, best Cleveland athlete, best athletes anymore with number eleven, and and you're so right. And the first first person that pops in my head when I hear the number eleven. Kyrie Irving in the Boston years. Yeah. Which, to be honest, are non-existent. It goes back. (laughs) It's so true. It's so true. It it really is because it goes back to ability, best ability being your availability, and he wasn't available. He He got hurt again. He got hurt again. He got his face cracked again in practice. Yeah. Or in a pickup game. Yep. And he's, you know, that run that they had in the conference finals against the Cavs, Going, Cavs took them to Game Seven. Really, I mean, I know we had LeBron, but with those young guys not having Kyrie there, it was actually hindsight twenty twenty. That was blessing in disguise for sure for that Celtics team because the next year when he was more available, not much, not much happened. Killed their team. Yeah, and now he's going back home, but home was actually New Jersey. Brooklyn's in. I don't know. the The funniest part of the whole Kyrie and number eleven thing to me is now Enos Cantor is wearing eleven to troll Kyrie. And recently, Enos Cantor was at a WWE event, which I do. I, I'm still a fan of WWE sure. and still follow that and that kind of stuff. And people will see that on my Twitter from time to time. He was before the show even started. There's this new like tw- what they call like a 24/7 championship, and it has to be defended at any time, any place. I've seen it on an airplane over Europe defended. I've seen somebody pin a guy in a, asleep on an airplane traveling over to Europe Jesus. for their overseas thing. Um, there's a this, there's this short dude Drake Maverick who's you know he's got issues with his wife because he keeps losing the 24/7 championship. Our <laughs> uh, truth. I don't know if you know the name Our truth. No, Ron. No. Killings. This dude has won it like already like 15, 16 times because he just keeps taking it back. Every time you see it on an actual show, a guy will win it, or now girls will win it, and then the whole locker room of girls or guys will come out chasing them around the arena and stuff. <laughs> so it's a, it, when it was first debuted, it was it seemed crazy, but it, not to dwell on it too much, but it seemed crazy, but now it's actually one of like, the funniest things. It's, even if you don't follow WWE, it's so pretty sweet. you see it on Twitter, and yeah. it, it is kind of funny what, what's going on with that. But Enos Cantor comes out, wins a 24-7 championship in New York, of all places. He had to jacket on takes the jacket off he's wearing his number is like a first edition of the number 11 Celtics jersey in New York so he's trolling Kyrie that's awesome in who's playing in New York and the New York Nick and Nets fans that's it was just, that's just perfect a, a double troll like Enos Cantor is one of those guys if you have him on your team you love him if you don't you kind of don't like 100%. him 100% yeah but it's he's more fun to follow as a guy you you, you don't like to right. you don't like that he's not on your team um but I guess another number 11 from uh, in my whole just sticking with basketball is Isaiah Thomas okay uh, one of the better point guards and the, the bad boys of the Detroit Pistons that era those two championships they won the 30 for 30 ESPN did was so so well done and you know I do appreciate listening to Isaiah Thomas talk basketball and this is again this is the Isaiah of the Detroit Pistons who 
the current Isaiah Thomas was named after. Right, yeah. Um, I think spelled a little differently, but that that was the first guy I went to. But you're so right. These Cleveland ties, there's just there's so much. They're they're everywhere. They they really are everywhere. Because Cleveland's always in the news for something. Cleveland's always in the news. And who's always in the news now? The Cleveland Browns. Oh, yes, they are. The Cleveland Browns because coming into the season, we all know the hype. We all know the the attraction, the talent this team had. And we've talked at nauseum about the question marks that were coming in. And I think we tried, to, we tried to tell people that it wasn't going to be easy at the start of the season, not just because of the opponents, but... You can't just put a collection of talent together and think it's going to just automatically come together. There is a, there is a difference between the Golden State Warriors and the Cavs or Miami Heat, the LeBron super teams, and the Warriors super teams because most of their guys came up in the same system and grew together. A lot of these other teams that get put together in the NBA, which where you see a collection of talent like this more often, they take some time to get together. The Browns are having... They're going through that right now, and it's just they don't have as much time to put it together. It's completely different between the NBA and football, though, just because you only have a maximum of 20 games to right. get something and, right. Right. So you, you know, have you then, got less time, and that's where this that's right. where the pressure and the the angst of this one and two start for the Browns yeah. is coming from. It's just we've talked about it before, and I guess maybe trying to temper our own excitement. And I, I've mentioned that before. I was really hyped for the season, try to temper sure. our own excitement. So the Browns do lose this past Sunday night on NBC Sunday Night Football against, as you mentioned, the defending NFC champions, Super Bowl runner-up to the New England Patriots, the Los Angeles Rams, that with Sean McVay, Jared Goff, Todd Gurley, Cooper Cup, uh, Robert Woods, Brandon Cook. I mean, just go stars on. Stars on stars on stars. Aaron Donald. Aqib Tlaib. Yeah, I mean, you can just name, just name and name and name. But guys that have been together and you've seen them, you see what the Browns can be and what the Rams are now if they continue on the right path. Paulus, as you were paying, as you're watching that game, did you see any differences, even though they lost, in the struggles the offense have had, the offense has had, or what frustrated you the most? What did you see that Browns can take moving forward to try to right this ship and, and take first place in the division this Sunday? I want to start off what I'm going to be talking about here for the Browns with a congratulations. The congrats to Steve Wilkes and that defense because I'm telling you right now, I didn't think that they had a shot in hell whenever I found out that not only was Denzel out, but Greedy, Randall, their entire defensive backfield was out for this game. I immediately thought, well, you know, Cooper Cup was going to get his, and and believe me, he got his. But I figured everyone else on that team is going to go for 100 too, 100 a touchdown mm-hmm. at least, at least. You held Jared Goff to sub 300, a couple of uh, a couple of mental mistakes. Yeah, you know the the uh, he had what two picks? Yeah, he had he had two picks. There was a fumble in there, too. The fumble. Miles Garrett. Oh, my God. Is he good or what? Like, thank God we have Miles Garrett on our team because right now he is right there with Defensive Player of the Year votes all across the board. Yeah. Um, I got 99. We got 95. Exactly. That defense played 
balls to the wall out there, and they did everything possible to to win you that game. And they put you in a position to win that game. The offense still isn't clicking. And the one thing that you and I talked about was if they aren't going to be practicing in preseason or if they're not going to be you know, partaking in the preseason reps, you have to be ready and be in that chemistry-formulated offense that, it, that you have to be able to go from 1 to 100 as quick as that. And the plays still seem off. We're calling plays right down to the wire for the play clock calls. Freddie looks lost on offense. Calling the game plan, Freddie, fourth and nine, runs a draw play. A draw play? Like, you could have pinned him. You could have pinned him deep. You're on the, what, I think you're on the 47-yard line, 48-yard line, and instead of calling a pass play or doing something smart like maybe, I don't know, looking for Odell Beckham Jr. on a play or Jarvis or literally anyone other than running Duke Johnson, or I'm sorry, Duke Johnson, uh, Nick Chubb right up the middle. It looked like Duke, it looked like a Duke Johnson, you know, a yeah. Hugh Jackson, you know, one in fifteen the, sort the of one run. way to the one way to get the ball in a guy's hands that is ineffective for <laughs> how they operate. The only way is to do that. Yes, Freddie's worrying me a little bit. I'm not. I'm not being. I'm not going to call for concern and say, "Oh my God, you know the moon's falling down and you know things are up when they need to be down." And I nothing like that's going to happen. Okay, I'm still cool with it. I'm still cool with Freddie calling plays. I'm fine with that. But Freddie, this is going to be game four. This is your first rivalry game. Like that's exactly how it is. You have to dominate on Sunday. I'm not saying win by 20 because Baltimore's a damn good team. Okay. I didn't think that they were as good as what they are, but they are damn good. They're better than what I thought they are. That means if if you're a playoff caliber team, you have to dominate this game. Like go out there, hit them right upside their face. You have to. If you are the playoff team that I thought you were, I expect that. You go out there and you play like you did against the Rams, you're going to beat this team. You're going to beat Baltimore if you play exactly how you played against uh, the Rams. But you got to go out there and you got to do it back-to-back weeks. They'll win if they play exactly like they did on defense, not on offense. The offense That's is going, fair. That's the fair. The offense yeah. is going to have to pick it up because Lamar will get his at some point. Sure. You can game plan for it. You can scheme for it. You just have to limit the damage and not because Lamar is coming on this season. You have to make sure he doesn't beat you with his beat you with his arm, honestly. Because a running Lamar Jackson, the way that they lost to Kansas City, whose defense I don't wouldn't De- their defense is awful. Yeah, I wouldn't put it up there with the Browns. So the Browns, with their talent, play the way that they did last week. They should be able to hem in Baltimore and put him behind the sticks to force Lamar to throw. And you saw the real Lamar Jackson in terms of a throwing quarterback last week against Kansas City, a far inferior defense to the Browns. It is allowing him to gain that confidence early. And it's what the Browns lack is not giving Baker confidence early in the game. They did a little bit better with calling plays, the the quick hitters. It's not that I don't have confidence in Baker throwing it down the field, but you're trying to throw the ball down the field right from the start. Guys are amped up. They're 
quarterbacks are going to overthrow. They're going. They may not hit their guys right away. You got to get them into a rhythm. You have to find a rhythm. Why do successful teams do so well in the NFL, and why do teams like the Patriots make the playoffs every year? They are one of the teams, or the best teams that make the playoffs are the teams that have the best conversion rate in scoring on their first drive of the game, whether they get the ball first or they get it after their defense steps up, gets the first stop, and gives the ball to the offense right away. It's because they have they start out with the running game and short passing game that simulates these RPOs that everybody loves. Everyone loves them. It doesn't have to, you don't have to have the spectacular 15, 20, 25 yard play to get a crowd into it or take a crowd out. You know what does a lot more damage is a five yard crossing route or a five yard run that Nick Chubb breaks into 15, 20 yards. You don't need the big plays. Allow your playmakers to make them big plays and build a rhythm on offense. Baker Mayfield, whenever he gets the ball out in less than three seconds, is like top five in the league. Anything over three seconds, whenever he's holding on to the ball, is he's he's bottom three. That's just a fact. There are a lot of issues. What's what's going on with this offensive play calling system? Baker's no saint here. Okay, Baker is no. holding on to the ball a lot longer than he should be. And if I see him roll out of a freaking clean pocket one more time, I'm gonna lose my damn mind because Baker keeps Baker gets these happy feet now, and I don't get why because the last eight games of the year he was. Lying, he was lining up in the pocket, slinging the ball. Every once in a while, he'd roll out. I don't know if it was a design call or not, but every once in a while, he'd roll out. He'd find someone like Higgins or uh, Jarvis, you know, uh, you know, with the deep catch over uh, out in Carolina. There's a lot of times like that 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 happens, and you're like, you know what? Hell yeah, that's fine. Even if he rolls out to to throw it away, I'm cool with that. But if there's a clean pocket, and we've been given this offensive line a lot of green for who's going to be the right guard, who's going to be you know this, who's going to be that. The offensive line actually played pretty well the other night. I mean, they, there are a couple of times whenever you had Clay Matthews and Aaron Donald line up on one side and they were bull rushing you uh, coming off that right side. You know, Chris Hubbard not being there definitely hurt. But Baker had a clean pocket for the most of the night, and he still loves to roll out, and I don't get it. So I'm really hoping Baker settles down this week because Baltimore doesn't have a pass rush like like they do. Okay, they have a really good uh, uh, rushing defense, but their passing off, or I'm sorry, their uh, pass defense there in Baltimore isn't as great as what everyone thinks it is. They faced Miami. Who's I don't even count their stats. <laughs> uh, 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 Arizona, the Kyler Murray threw for three fifty on him. You know, like yeah. that happened. You know that yeah. that just happened. You didn't intimidate a rookie quarterback like you have in the past with exactly. that defense. With exactly. all those losses on their defense, they them and the Pittsburgh Steelers. The reason why the Browns have always been dominated by them in the AFC North in this era since nineteen ninety nine is because their defenses. For the Steelers and the Ravens, as much as we hate them as fans, you have to respect it for the talent they had and the ability to intimidate rookie or inexperienced quarterbacks 
not allowing them to ever get a rhythm. The Ravens don't have that kind of thing anymore. Even the Steelers don't really have that no. anymore. That those two... They caused five turnovers last week and still lost the freaking game. Yeah. That's crazy. Right. But, I mean, you're, you're so right that... There is a lot of issues with Baker. There's a lot of issues with Freddie calling the game. There's a lot of there's a lot of issues with wide receivers not getting open. There are there are so many there's so many little issues and people we're harping on them. They're fixable though. Of course. And so there's a lot going on in my head right now and there's a lot of rants going on in my head. <laughs> I have rants about Freddie Kitchens calling plays and when we're calling certain things and a draw play on fourth and nine. I don't you're in plus territory and you know you're just you're kind of just outside of field goal range, but you you decide you want to go for it rather than trying to hem them deep. Hem them deep. That's fine, but you call a draw play. Then you have four plays. What first and goal, second and goal, you're inside the ten yard line. You have three timeouts. You don't run the ball once yeah. when you've had success on the night, even with Aaron Donald and that defensive front. You had success with Nick Chubb getting through the hole, breaking a couple tackles, and you're only about five yards out. You don't call a play that's really targeting or any like sh- quick-hitting pass play to try and target Jarvis or Odell. And then at the end... Baker has to get an unnecessary interception added on to his stat pack for this season because he does have to throw it up. You have to give somebody a chance. Oh, of course. You know, you, you can't ha- throw it in the back of the yeah, end zone. Yeah, you have to throw it within the 10 yards of the actual end zone to give somebody a chance. I don't know what's going on with the play calling. But then I turn off the game right away. I go on Twitter. And every there's people calling to fire Freddie Kitchens after three games. That's crazy. That's ridiculous fans listen to me that is absolutely ridiculous if you are even mentioning the word freddy and fire him in the same (laughs) sentence it's three games three games ago you all were saying we're going to the super bowl and we're winning it this year then you go to the other extreme this is the problem and yes that's why we're called fans because it comes from Short fanatic. From fanatic, yep. Yep, you're going, you know, being overly aggressive, being overly insane about things and taking it one way or another. We're the voice here. We're trying to tell you take the blinders off from times and see what's really going on. There are issues. Baker should be called out for those issues. Freddie should be called out for those issues. But not saying to fire them or that Baker is not a good quarterback. Or that he's overrated, according to Rex Ryan. Overrated as hell. Overrated as hell. There is the other rant. You're a guy that coached yourself out of the freaking NFL, and you're going to say a guy is overrated. Guess what, Rex Ryan? You are overrated as an NFL analyst and NFL coach. That is reality right there. I'm okay with saying that Baker is not doing well, and I'm the first one to say... Baker, you got to play better. You got to give your playmakers a chance. Freddie, call better plays. Just because they're struggling, though, doesn't make a guy overrated, whether he plays in my city or not. Just in Lamar Jackson, the first two games got overhyped, but it doesn't mean that he isn't that kind of quarterback. And the Browns have to pay attention to that because they lost a big game last week. Find the middle ground. Don't be the person to have the hottest take or 
be these fans that are saying fire, fire Freddie Kitchens now, and then, oh, the season doesn't go well. Hey, look, I was the first one to say it just so that you get the clicks, the likes, and all the retweets. All of it is ridiculous and unnecessary. That, that was an awesome rant. I loved it. I'm sorry. It's been bottled up this whole week. I, dude, it let it out. I, I, I I'm right there with you. I just want to. I just want people to know. I'm not. I'm not saying. I'm not calling out Rex Ryan because I think that I want to just be positive about the Browns. There isn't. There is things to be positive about, but there's also things to call out and criticize. That these guys in the locker room are going over film and criticizing themselves. And I'm. I actually a fourth rant. I'm done listening to these guys. I know what Baker said, and I laughed at it about Rex Ryan and used the Freddie Kitchens, if you don't wear orange and brown, you don't matter, or brown and orange. He was justified in saying that. Yes. Rex Ryan calling Baker Mayfield overrated has no credibility whatsoever because of what he has done in his career in the NFL and everybody that hyped up him as a defensive coordinator moving into a coaching position. I just, again... I'm saying all of these rants to make sure everyone knows that there is a common ground, there is a reality that people aren't willing to have the right conversations on. They just want to be the one to be the conversation. They don't want to have conversations. They want to be the conversation and get the most likes and retweets on Twitter. I'm glad that you bring up people that are just trying to go for retweets and follows and likes and everything like that because I actually got into it with uh, Marcus Spears of uh, Get Up. He actually responded back and you know went back and forth a little bit. Marcus Spears, and this is I'm going to read you the tweet that I posted. See, I don't know if you saw it or not. I I, di- I did not see it, but see, okay. I told you I told you, Mr. Big Shot Man, I told the, you you're doing big the, things, the, man. Hold on, hold Come on. on. Marcus Spears on Daniel Jones. You know, I don't jump right onto bandwagons. I like to see things play out. Literally the very next segment, this is exactly how I worded it, also Marcus Spears, literally the next segment he's in, Daniel Jones is better than Baker Mayfield. I said it. Dude, are you serious? Like, how do you come on? Uh, I'm not jumping on any bandwagons, but yeah, he's better. He's better than him. He even put down there, he was prisoner of the moment for like three minutes. Sarcasm, my boss. I thought people would get it. Apparently not. Because if you say it on live television and you don't come out and say, no, man, I'm just playing. You know, they're both really good. You didn't come out and say that, though. No, you come out and you doubled down and you said, and I mean it. Yeah. Like, come on, dude. You even retweeted that. Come on, man. Like, back off. You know for a fact that Daniel Jones right now isn't better than Baker Mayfield. Yeah, Baker struggled the last three games. So what? A lot of people have. Jared Goff has struggled. Guess what? The, the the golden boy Aaron Rodgers has struggled so far as well. There's quarterbacks dropping like flies left and right. Drew Brees is out. Ben Roethlisberger is done for the year. Are, are you're you're going to come back on and say anything about those guys? No, you're coming out and you're saying that because you think that Baker and the Browns are an easy target because for some ungodly reason Rex Ryan is the same way. They all think that these guys are saying this that Baker may Field said, well, it's Super Bowl or bust. It is. And they that, never and did. They never said any of that. That's what kills me, is that none of these Browns players have said it's Super Bowl or bust. 
except for Rashard Higgins. He did come out wearing a Super Bowl T-shirt saying that they're going to be in Miami. I'm cool with that because no one else knows that other than like, right. us. But right. Baker Just never came out and said that. To this Freddie Kitchens even said, yeah, we got a lot of talent. Whoopty hell. He's even come out and said that. So I don't understand where this thought process is of saying, oh, yeah, you know, the Browns, they're, they're just talking so much. They're talking so much. When? You show me who has been talking so much about the Browns season. Yeah, sure. You know, Baker gets into it with Colin Coward every once in a while. Why does that matter to you? It yeah. shouldn't matter to you, Marcus Spears. It shouldn't matter to you, Rex Ryan. You know what does matter? Wins and losses. They're not winning right now. That sucks. But they can turn it around this week, as I think that they will, because this is a playoff team. I am I am planted flag on the OSU 50 with this team right now, saying that they are going to be a playoff team. But you got to win this week. You, gotta, you have to. You got to win this week. Because one in three, you only have a 14% chance of making it to the playoffs. It's tough. You got to do it. I love that we're both ranting today. Yeah. And you know what I love? Feels good. The part I love most about that rant is you're bringing up the talking and talking about and saying that these national media members are claiming the Browns said all of this and started to generate this hype. You know how the Browns generated the hype? is by John Dorsey doing his job and adding talent to this roster when people that want to praise Sashi Brown, and I'm sure, I know he did some good things, but who... Yeah, not sending the facts. But Sashi Brown (laughs) and many other general managers and front office personnel that have stripped this roster over the years since 1999 completely bare just to continue to act like they're rebuilding and we're just hamsters on a wheel just spinning and spinning and spinning. The, the hype was generated by John Dorsey doing his job and getting talent on this roster. I even tweeted at somebody. Now, they didn't tweet me back, but it's okay. Jeff Schwartz, a former yes. NFL offensive lineman who was responding to somebody on Twitter, and they were calling him out about or tweeting at him about his comments about Rex Ryan, and he says, you know why Rex Ryan called him overrated? Because Baker wouldn't shut up all offseason about how great he and the Browns were going to be. He brought more attention and expectations to himself and the team. If he said if he laid low and started slow, Rex wouldn't have to made that comment. And I responded to that by saying, at Kevin and Seven on Twitter, shameless plug. There you go. Last time I checked, that's not what he said. More of it was generated outside of the locker. More of the noise was generated outside the by locker. By fans. Yes, by fans. Media. Media. A whole bunch of stuff other than outside inside the locker room. They were saying the right things. And I also go on to say, fact is, Baker and this team have to play better with the talent that's on this roster. Just difficult to take criticism from a guy who coached himself out of the league. Shrugging emoji. The thing, the criticism... If people are actually going to see reality, if Jeff Schwartz wants to call him out for talking so much, say that they're talking and saying the right thing too much and not doing the right thing enough on the field yet. That's why I'm done listening to them talk right now. I'm done hearing the right thing and not seeing the right thing. And that has been the whole story since 1999. We've heard the right story. We've never seen the right story. And we better start seeing the right story more You started to see it a little bit against the defending NFC champs. You better see it with a better result more on Sunday against the Ravens. Quickly, Browns-Ravens prediction thoughts on that game. 
Browns, Ravens, 23 to 17 Browns. I think Baker gets it done. I think that Baker cuts down on turnovers. I think Nick Chubb has a decent day. He's not going over 100. He's not going crazy like that. But I think we break their defense down. I think that our defense breaks down Lamar and that rushing attack. I think Mark Ingram probably gets a couple of touchdowns. But I think that we're going to intercept. We're finally going to get an interception out of Lamar. I think that's how we're going to see it. Demarius Randall's coming back. I know that Greedy and uh, Denzel, they haven't practiced, but they're hopefully going to play. Be awesome if they did. If not, I still have faith in T Money and uh, TJ Carey. So I feel confident with the way that we're trending. I think Freddie clears up the offensive woes. We, he ran the ball out of Chubb last week. I'm thankful that he did that. Had he done one more run, you never know. We could have tied up the game and won it in overtime. You don't know. But I think it's going to be a 23 to 17 game. It's going to be a close one. It's going to be a tight one, and it's should be a win. Should be an interesting game. Baltimore is a good team. Baltimore is a good team, and I, that's one other thing that in this whole hype train that people forgot about that at least Baltimore, if you know Steelers have kind of taken a turn, and now with Big Ben out, you know prayers for him and his recovery, of course, as human to human. But the Steelers are going to struggle without their main quarterback at the helm. The AFC North was never going to be easy, though, because you knew at least one of those two teams was going to be good as well. And the Baltimore Ravens are a good team, and it's going to be a dogfight, no pun intended. It's going to be a dogfight on Sunday against these Ravens. Browns are going to have to win in the trenches and start to start to build rhythm on offense to sustain what the defense can do and not have them keep going back out onto the field so often. As we switch gears here towards the end of the podcast, the other team in town that is fighting for a playoff spot down to the last four games lost a crucial game, although albeit against the Chicago White Sox, can't be losing games and not in Shane Bieber not having an expected performance last night against the White Sox. You are now a game and a half behind the Tampa Bay Rays for that last wild card spot and really two games back of being in the wild card and having that home field advantage with still four to play. These last four games are crucial. Paulus, as you've kind of watched this season unfold, this team is at 93 wins. It's crazy. Been through so many injuries. Of course, not going to win the Central Division. The Twins just they wrapped just, that up last night. that up last night. And the Twins have been on a tear with the home runs all season long. Thought it may slow down, and, and it did seem like it, but just too much confidence and momentum built throughout the season for the Twins. So congratulations to them. 100%, yeah. But the Indians are at 93 wins, have an opportunity at at least 96, win out, go to 97 wins, and could still not make the playoffs. Where are you with this Indians team as we wrap up the season? I think that the Indians, no matter what, have had a great year. A great, fantastic year. Yeah, do we expect playoffs around here and hopefully a World Series one day? Absolutely. It's been, what, 71, 72 years you know, since, since we've seen a World Series around here. Yeah, I, I think that that's what we expect from this team now, especially with Tito as our manager. We just need to look at it from the outside in perspective of this team, you said it, went through so many injuries. Bauer, Cookie, and Kluber 
were in Clev. We'll, we'll throw Clev in mm-hmm. there. We're supposed to be like the main guys, and we were looking at man, this you know this pitching staff might be the best in best in you know the MLB, and you lose three of them essentially, you know for for a good part of the year. You knew Clev was a good pitcher, but Shane Bieber came out of nowhere. Let, let's be honest, we knew Biebs was good, but not Cy Young good, not All Star MVP good. You know, let, let's put it out there for that, and then just. All of these different guys coming up. Oscar Mercado, he's not going to win the rookie of the year, but he, my God. Damn sure gave himself a chance. He he really did put himself up there. Um, I, I did want to put this out there. I know that we're going to be wrapping up here uh, pretty soon, but I did do my, ML, uh, my MLB predictions, and I love always recapping mm-hmm. what, what I was looking yeah, at. Yeah, because, I mean, it. National League is basically sewed up. It's wrapped up. It, it's, it's wrapped up. I it's think wrapped up. Brewers got the last spot Brewers last night. Got the last spot and they we're kicked out the Cubs and uh uh Phillies got kicked out by the uh, uh the, the Nationals and we're down to three teams for two spots in the AL so you kind of know you already know who's who the teams are going to be so it's pretty good chance to look back at uh early season predictions exactly so my my teams from the AL is not looking great nope. <laughs> oh I had the Red Sox who were you thought hey World Series champs of course they'll make it now uh, they yeah. suck it's that typical World Series malaise, that, that World that Championship hangover. malaise, that hangover. It's that hangover. I had the uh, the Red Sox, I had the Indians, and I had the Astros. So I got one. Got one of the three uh, division winners. Got one of the three. Okay. However, I did put down there, P.S., wouldn't surprise me if the Twins won the Central. Okay. So can you give me half a point for that? Give you one and a half. I'll take one it. One and a half of three. I'll take it. Just because I'm in a giving mood right now, and I got my I, rants out, so I'm feeling better. I appreciate that. Uh, wild cards, I had the Yankees, so I got them in, and uh, the Angels, which they sort of fell apart. Mm-hmm. But that happens. So uh, you got two and a half of two, five teams. So you got I, 50%. 50%. I'll, I'll take that. Uh, then I had that's, the that's Phillies. A, that's in failing grade in school. Right, yeah, yeah. But... Yeah. Phillies, not so much. Class F, I get it. Cubs, not so much. Oh. Dodgers, got that one. There you go, one of three. <laughs> then I got the Braves. Okay. And the Brewers. So, got them. So, 60%. You got to, you got to, <laughs> I'll take that all day long. So, overall, you got five and a half of 10 teams? Sure. Right? Yeah, yeah. 55%. You go to Vegas and you place 100 bets, you'll, You'll come away with five percent more of your winnings. That's right. <laughs> oh, I, see, and that's—I guess that's part of the reason I don't make predictions. Not, not because I don't like putting myself out there on a limb. I, I actually like doing that. I like taking risks. Sure. It's just for predictions. When you when you look back on them, you never know how a season goes, and I I enjoy watching the story unfold rather than trying to hope or predict how the story is going to be. I like to go through the book rather than going all the way to the back cover and getting the getting the summary to have an understanding. I like more to as I read like the Harry Potter books. I liked each <laughs> surprise that J.K. Rowling threw in there and it, it just I like seeing the story as it unfolds more than more so than what what it could be before and not and being disappointed at the end. While we wrap up, I want to know what has been because you actually covered the Indians I did, this year. Yes, you covered you know good good chunk of their games. I did. What are you most proud of this team for? Because you have a much more in depth look, you know, uh, you know of this team. I guess 
Well, looking ahead, because we won't record until everybody knows whether they're in the wild card right. game or not. We'll probably record like the day after the American League, because the American League plays on Wednesday, Wednesday. night yeah. of next week. And we're recording on Thursday, September, whatever it is, these days. 26th. 26th, yeah, there you go. <laughs> Half birthday, there you go. There we uh, go. <laughs> just seeing this team develop, and I think if they were not to make the playoffs... I had a conversation. I was working with my drumline last night, and we were coming home from a, a band festival, and the, and the group did great. Shouts out to them and, and the directors and all the all the bands from Lake County that were at this festival. Such an such an amazing time. But there are fellow Indians fans on our, I guess, our advisor or fellow director list that we have with the band, and it's so great to have these baseball conversations on bus rides to and from games and festivals. And we were saying they were both of them, Vic and Melissa, who were. Who both husband and wife they were saying you know they there's they would be content with this season if the Indians don't make it because they'll have 95 96 wins and everything they've been through and to have that that many wins when you wouldn't expect it especially the way the season started with Lindor down and not not getting off to the greatest of starts even for an Indians team in April but I said I wouldn't be content but I would be able to get past it more and a lot quicker if the Indians don't make it because of everything they've been through. And I think that's what makes me most proud is the leadership on this team. People saying that Terry Francona can't manage anymore, not being able to see reality there either. This guy can manage baseball. And just because they don't make the playoffs doesn't mean that he he's lost his touch. Right. He's actually gotten more if you really look at it with what this team is able to accomplish this season. But also the energy from the first couple games I covered, going down in the clubhouses and even just, again, Emmett Golden, who is one of our mentors, he he taught me from an early time in my internship, you know, go to games, but don't just look at what's going on on the court or on the field. Look at what's going on all around you. And just the energy and the, the the connection with the players and the way that the enthusiasm for the game of baseball that wasn't there early in the season and the development and getting better as the season went along and playing, I guess what would make it just that much more bittersweet at the end of the season if they don't make the playoffs, they're probably playing the best baseball at the end of a season that we've seen in this stretch of years with the win, with the championship window open. Yeah. And you don't know where that the sucks. It sucks, but you have to be proud of what they've done, and feel good even moving forward if they were to continue to put keep that window open and try to bring this team back next year. You would feel a lot better about an Indians team coming back from a down year rather than taking a down year and taking that downturn that these mid-market teams do. Again, those are question marks for the offseason. Don't want to look ahead. But you, but you ask a great question. And being there and just seeing the development and the infusion of enthusiasm throughout that clubhouse and throughout that roster and just the way that Terry Francona managed and although he's not playing well right now, the way that leaders like Frankie Lindor just root on the team and one of the first ones out off his seat in the dugout for guys that is what I'm going to those are the memories those are the those are the visions I'm going to take with me this season quick shout out before we leave Jose freaking Ramirez 
<laughs> I, I know it, we we gotta we gotta wrap up right now, but I didn't even get a chance Jose, to turn the game before I. I know, I know. I, like I found out on Twitter, and then my wife told me she's like, "Hey, did you see Grand Slam by Jose?" I was like, "Are you serious?" And then what? Like uh, an inning or two later, he hits another three-run home. Like unbelievable. Props to Jose. Like it, this. Yeah. No, Steve Wilkes and Jose Ramirez. They're like shouts out, shout outs, guys. No, like seriously, uh, Jose coming back from that to try and get us over the hump. I mean, you got to give that guy so much props for what he started off as. As we were talking about, maybe he should go back to the minors. <laughs> I mean, yeah. and then him turning it on, you know, the second half of the year and coming back from the injury. I mean, just props to him. It's the stories within the story, is what yeah. I'm going to take with me yep. for this Indians baseball season. I think that's the theme to take with you. And hopefully, can win these last four games, get a little help on the other side, and we're talking about a wild card win the next time you and I, I get together that. for the Voice of the Land podcast. But we will, no matter what happens, we'll make sure we wrap up the season even more on the next episode, which will be episode 12 of season two. But that is going to wrap it up for episode 11. Remember, you guys can follow us on Twitter at VTL underscore POD for all the latest on this podcast, as well as our fantasy voices, our fantasy football podcast. We will be recording an episode very soon for that, getting that out for this weekend's games. You can find both podcasts on Apple and Spotify. This podcast for Voice of Land, you can find on Google Podcasts as well. I'm not sure about fantasy voices. We're, you know, kind of going through Everywhere, I believe. I, I believe we are everywhere on Fantasy Voices. You know, just search Voice of the Land and Fantasy Voices on anywhere you get your podcast. And if you see our face or you see a beautiful picture of a football on a field, you found us and you can tune in and listen to us anytime, anywhere. We appreciate everybody that listens as we do wrap up this week. But for Nick Paulus, I'm Kevin Arnold telling all of you sports fans out there, not let anyone ever tell you it's just a game. And we love you, 3,000.